Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Confidence starts with loving who you are. And when your skin feels nourished and glows on the outside, you naturally radiate confidence from the inside. Give your skin a glow up with Osea's clinically proven Mega Moisture Duo. This ultra-hydrating body care features two of Osea's bestsellers, Andaria Algae Body Oil and Andaria Collagen Body Lotion. These seaweed-powered heroes use skincare-level ingredients normally reserved for your face for results you can see and confidence you can feel. Osea has been making clean, clinically proven seaweed-infused face and body care products for over 28 years. This luxurious skincare is vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Glow from the inside out. Get 10% off your first order with code GLOW at OseaMalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A Malibu.com, code GLOW. Welcome back to the House of Pod. I'm Kabe. I'm Lizzie. Lizzie, how are you? I'm pretty good. Um, I'm looking forward to your next haircut. You know, Lizzie's looking at me on the Zoom screen right now, and my hair is reaching that man bun level where I could start to put it into a man bun. I'm not quite ready to do that. It's like Gary Busey just pulled over, got pulled over kind of situation. Nick Nolte or Gary Busey had a baby with a police officer. Yeah, you know, I, I was joking about this. I was kind of aiming for like a Vigo Mortensen circa Lord of the Rings kind of style, but I've kind of landed on like a chubby Joaquin Phoenix from the movie Joker. That's kind of where I'm at with this. Oh. Um, I have something I want to talk about. Please. I have a question for you, and it's an etiquette question. Covetiquette or etiquette? Covetiquette, but it, it, it has its roots in pre-covetiquette. Um, which is wearing scrubs outside of the hospital. Now, before all this happened, I had landed on the fact that you shouldn't wear scrubs outside of the hospital. It just, you know, it's kind of gross. You're bringing germs out. And even if you aren't, um, you know, people don't know that. But there are times when it's just not that feasible to be dressed in normal, casual attire. Like I sometimes leave the hospital. Every time I leave the hospital, I change into another set of clothing. Usually I change into another set of scrubs that I have. Um, So I never leave the hospital in the same clothing that I wore to anywhere COVID related. Um, I always change. But sometimes I change into scrubs, which is sometimes just the easiest thing to do. And yesterday I went to a supermarket 
near the hospital I work at. And I got a weird vibe from the, the teller who was kind of eyeing me weird in a weird way. I couldn't tell um, where, what his intention was with this, but he was like, hey, how you doing? And kind of eyeing me a little bit funny. I'm like, um, I'm good. How are you? And he's like, you know, frontline providers just like you here doing this. And I'm like, which is totally true, by the way. I'm not shitting on uh, grocery store workers. They're in, I think, a lot of risk. They put themselves in harm's way. They're awesome. But I was getting a vibe off of him. I couldn't tell. Like, was he like annoyed that I was wearing scrubs? And I almost felt like telling him, these are totally clean scrubs. I did not wear these like to see a patient or anything. These are but I'm like, that would be weird, I think, if I did say that. So I didn't know what to do. This is called projection. You felt uncomfortable in scrubs, so you're worried that he is uncomfortable. Because in my, my estimation, most people who look at me funny when I'm wearing scrubs, which is like all the time every day, is that they have a question they want to ask me about their butt. Or <laughs> How do they know you're a gastroenterologist? You just look or, like someone who knows about butts. Or Yeah, exactly. Or they have a question. And they want to ask me about their friend's butt, wink, wink. So, cause I think that people don't actually take all the steps that your brain does about thinking about how dirty and filthy scrubs are. You know what I mean? Like everyone has their own level of that. And we know now that COVID probably isn't really remaining on clothes and, and items as much as we didn't know back in March. So I don't know. I think everyone has their own level of kind of OCD cleanliness stuff. Um, but generally, yeah, scrubs shouldn't really be worn out of the office or hospital setting, but I, do I definitely do it. I, I mean, sometimes it's just not feasible for me to, I don't have an option. And then there's yeah. things I have to accomplish before I get home. Um, so it's, you know, we also have, you know, doctors also have daycare issues they have to manage and, you know, they have the same set of chores and weird random stuff that everyone else does. So um, I did think it was weird that he brought up to like, Hey, you know, just like you working the front lines here. And I right. was like, which is like totally 100% true. Again, I want to be but very clear on that. It is, very okay, clear. It is true, but you don't go up to people and be like, what up? We're, I'm just like you, man. Like you don't, you don't go out of your way to talk about being a frontline worker. That's the difference. If, if that sounds like he was just eyeing you up and down to have the conversation, he just was eager to share, commiserate yeah. being that person. I, I have mad respect for grocery store workers. Honestly, I do. They're stuck in that place all day, them and Costco workers, that sort of thing. Yeah. People coming in and out always the threat of some jerk coming in being like, I don't want to wear masks. This is America. Oh, you sheeple. You know, yeah. they always have Everything. that threat looming over them. Disease, anger, you know, people without money. Like they, they really do deal with a lot. It's just, I've not, I've gone to many grocery stores in the last few months since COVID and not a single person has been like, yeah, man, what's up? I'm just like you. Like, it's just a weird thing to like need to say that out loud. He's just feeling underappreciated. Yeah. Guess, well, so. if we can then give a big shout out and thank you to all our grocery store workers, all the guys loading, unloading, Amazon, the mailman, anyone who's delivering food around the cities. God bless you guys. We appreciate what you do. We really do. Um, quick plugs before we go to our guest. Make sure you follow us at Twitter at the House of Pod. Uh, like and subscribe on iTunes. Leave a review if you haven't already. If you leave a review, we will post it on our Twitter page and, uh, and or our Facebook page. And uh, thank you to Nadim for help with production. Anyone else you want to give a shout out to, Lizzie? No, no one at all. Fair Just... enough. Stay tuned. 
we have a really fun guest. We have Dr. Seth Truger. He's an emergency physician at Northwestern. You've probably seen him on MSNBC, CNN, some show talking about COVID and what it's like in the ER rooms. We're going to talk to him about what's happening with ER doctors, what's the morale of ER doctors, and what we're doing to stay sane in these really, really weird times. Stay tuned. Welcome back. Today, we have emergency physician at Northwestern and digital media editor of JAMA Network Open, Seth Truger. Dr. Seth Truger, thank you so much for coming on the show. Great. Thanks for having me. Really looking forward to this. You are practicing uh, in Chicago, right? And you're on the front lines um, with COVID, obviously. That's uh, a lot of the subject that everyone's talking about still after six, um, seven months now. Um, how, how bad is it still in Chicago? Um, it's not bad now. Uh, so I guess to back up a little bit, like we, Chicago, I think was hit pretty hard in that big first wave with New York. I don't think we were hit nearly as bad as New York and probably not as bad as uh, Boston and New Orleans and Detroit and a couple other places. Um, but it was, it was uh, rough is probably the right word. Um, and I don't think our hospital wasn't ever overwhelmed, but we could definitely, we got close. Like, but that was also in the context of like shutting down all elective surgery. Um, basically, I think tripling and quadrupling our, our ICU space. Um, it was, it was, I don't know, it was, you know, it was, it was it's a historic pandemic. Um, we did okay. I'm at a well-resourced hospital. The hospital, I think that overall, uh, I was actually surprised how good of a job they did managing a lot of stuff, how quickly surgery shut down, uh, you know, kept staffing up. Uh, um, overall, it was really good good um things really you know started quieting down in in may and june and now it's just kind of slowly simmering and slowly getting a little worse um so we still have relatively lower volumes in normal times there's still a little bit i'd say we're not totally back to normal as far as like the hospital clog process where like too many patients are admitted in the hospital and we can't get our patients admitted and there's too many surgeries and things like that so we're not totally back to normal um but like we're getting closer to normal but there's still you know Every day, there's a couple COVID patients uh, on a, on any given shift. Um, there's, you know, it's not like at peak we were intubating probably three people a day for COVID, and now it's like oh, once a week I come in and the other team just intubated somebody for COVID. But it's uh, there's a while where there was none. I guess uh, one of the question, you know, when we say how bad is it? Maybe you like as an emergency room doc, you know, with tents and everything. How do you define that? Like how many volunteers you need? How many traveler nurses, traveler doctors? I guess, like you mentioned, capacity of ICUs and overflow. Like what, you know, Kaveh and I probably know, and I, I, I volunteered at Bellevue, so I saw, but you see like, you know, what every hospital has their own version of terrible and disaster and rough, you know, like you said. So yeah, no, it's definitely not that, especially not now. Um, but like today, I noticed like, ooh, there's like a box of the good yellow masks, and like <laughs> <laughs> that's how we are in endo every day in endoscopy yep. unit scoping. Every single day is a different yeah. gown. I'm like, which yeah. gown will we have today? Because yeah. we're just running out so many times. 
Yeah. I mean, we're also lucky where our hospital um, has a good supply chain. We never run out of stuff, but like we definitely went from like the good yellow masks to like the good blue masks to these really not good blue masks. So now hey. we have two like decent blue masks, but they're not great. Um, <laughs> we're still using those like construction N95s that like yeah. are actually harder to breathe in than the nice ones. Um, like we have stuff, uh, but it's, it's, I don't know, it's just weird. Um, and it's still, yeah. you know, every patient gets, you know, basic PPE, you know, I'm, I'm wearing a mask the entire shift other than when I'm eating or drinking coffee, um, wearing, uh, you know, I have goggles on every single patient encounter. I've got goggles on my head in between patient encounters. I'm yeah. bringing an extra pair of scrubs to work and take them off, you know, changing and then, um, uh, showering as soon as I get home. It's, it's weird. You know, it's also yeah. not normal. We talked a little bit about like, um, the fatigue that is setting in with our frontline providers, all medical professionals, but really our frontline providers. I mean, you must just be seeing people exhausted on their shifts, even though, like you said, things are simmering. They're not as bad as they, as they were, you know, what's the morale overall, do you think of ER physicians? I mean, it's, it's so tough. Cause I feel like, you know, I hate the whole line of like, well, this is what you signed up for. And this is what happens. Like, cause that's mm-hmm. clearly, this is not what we signed up for. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we didn't, we signed up to like work in hospitals that have PPE. I don't have to think about this stuff. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's still like, this is a historic challenge. This is a challenge of our generation. We're going to, you know, buckle down and do it to me, especially since we were in that big first wave. Um, what's so depressing about it and just just causes me all the angst is watching the second wave in all the other cities like houston and arizona and florida having the exact same problems like how did we not have you know (laughs) giant piles of masks everywhere piled up in every hospital by the end of april like how like how why is testing still shut such like a terrible shit show yeah. Um, so, so no. So, it. so it sounds, if I'm reading from your <laughs> experience, it sounds like there's not only fatigue, but there is like this annoyance. There is this frustration. There is this anger. I think for sure, I I feel a little bit of it towards the fact that we're at the point we're at. Why do we get here, and why are we still here? Why have we not figured out a better strategy? Why don't we have some national leadership on this that helps direct us? Um, in let me ask you with all this going on um i certainly already know of a couple doctors that have decided to change their their field of of practice to to leave clinical medicine or something along those lines do you feel that's going to be a problem with er doctors are we going to lose doctor er doctors to other fields are they just going to stop are they what are they going to do oh wow that's um that's a really good question i hadn't thought about that at all i mean if this if this drags on for a while Maybe, probably. Um, I think there are already some people kind of on the edges. I mean, I certainly know I've had a handful of colleagues over the year who's, you know, quit emergency medicine and and like open urgent care for profit or um, or or just totally switch gears. I knew a guy who was like a nice community practice and uh, in emergency medicine and was like retrained in ortho uh, for all for all the reasons. Um, wow. Right now, all I've seen is I have a, I have a couple friends who uh, moved out of the U.S. Um, oh, wow. To, to uh, I say, places that are managing it better. New um, Zealand? Is everyone going to New Zealand? Is that what's happening yeah. now? I'll, I'll, I'll confirm yeah. they were in the Southern Hemisphere, but I don't want to speak for other people. Yeah. Okay. Right. Gotcha, I mean, gotcha. Canada Canada doesn't yeah. seem so bad either. So I guess we'll see in a few weeks, months. I don't know. I did a semester in Australia in college. That's my, like, you all go to Canada. Australia is way nicer. I'm going there. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if our medical license carries over to Canada. I wonder. I don't no, think it does. 
I think no. New Zealand's much kinder to American ducks. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think you can, I'm sure there's like, I don't think there's like exact, like, oh, here, your license, but like, there's got to be a process. But uh, right. I remember because the training process is different where they do like more of like two years of like internship and then a, and then specialize um, versus us. But uh, I remember like when I was like just out of residency and people like the start of sort of discussion came up and I looked into it, I was like, Oh, if I had to go there, I'd have to like actually do more residency. Like, like I think <laughs> yeah. I'm part of no. that. I wouldn't have to do more training. No. But, uh, <laughs> I have so much respect for foreign medical grads who come to the United States and like start from scratch. Um, oh. And I, they have to do all the board exams and all the, and they have to be the bottom rung, the bottom feeders again. It sounds those people I have more respect for than a lot of other people. Like my dad. Um, yeah. And Chris's mom. Um, but back back to COVID, I am, you know, you're talking about the fatigue and the frustration and seeing other people, you know, essentially make mistakes that seem really transparent. They were literally like telegraphed, right? Like, um, you know, you knew exactly what was coming, what the playbook was. Um, and that just adds, I think, exasperation and, and makes probably your job even a little bit more demoralizing. Um, what do you think, you know, we can all talk about politics and things like that and why we're still here, but what do you think on a hospital level, I guess, or what you've seen, maybe an emergency room level, like what have we done well, what have we done terrible at maybe as a country or your own personal experience? Yeah. Wow. Great. Um, so a couple of things that were really nice is again, I think early on just watching the hospital rally together, you know, from a leadership point of view with things like shutting down elective surgeries, which is, you know, essentially jettisoning all the revenue, um, which supports a lot of the hospital. Um, little stuff like we had, I mean, literally every day for half of March, April, and May, lunch and dinner from local restaurants. And like, we're in downtown Chicago, like we got good stuff. Like it was really <laughs> nice. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and you know, just that kind of community support, um, just the kind of genuine stuff for like, I mean, little stuff, like you walk in a room and the patient, and you're like, oh, hi, I'm Dr. Trigger, how are you doing? They're like, oh, how are you doing? It's like, mm-hmm. oh, oh. Yeah. Um, yeah. Also, I mean, just one, one of the interesting things, you know, in emergency medicine, a lot of the nurses, like a lot of nurses come straight out of nursing school, work in the ED for like a year or two, and then go on to other places with different lifestyles. Um, and I, I can think of probably a dozen nurses who like came back from like outpatient plastic surgery or other places, picked up shifts, helped out, that kind of stuff, which is really great. Um, one thing I'll say, I guess, there were a couple things that I think really identify that made it a lot easier for me. Um, one is, you know, I had job security the whole time, you know, maybe I was going to lose a little bit of my total salary, but at no point was I worried that I was going to get fired. I was not worried about having to like go on sabbatical or forced uh, hiatus or whatever. Um, and honestly, like my overall income got cut a little bit because of this stuff, but like, it's fine. I'm going to be fine. It's not a problem at all. I never had to worry about that. Um, there's no worry about putting food on the table. Two is like, even, you know, during April, the like the absolute worst time, the most shelter in place, I was going to work and I was seeing people and I was go- with people who are, you know, colleagues who I see every day who are going through the same thing. Um, you know, just having that kind of camaraderie and that kind of social connection and just being around people going through the same thing was really, I think, helpful. And then I think the third thing for me was, um, you know, that we, the challenge I had every day was like, going in and facing like the big giant existential challenge. It wasn't like I was going into a shoe factory and there's an alien attack and it's this weird abstract thing. It's like, there is a pandemic and I'm a pandemic doctor now. 
like it's it's i'm doing the thing that's the big existential thing like i'm one of the guys in the movie and i like you know i recognize i'm a cog in machine and whatever it's fine um but it was still very like mentally very like all right we're i'm dealing with this giant threat oh, it's giving yeah. you agency you know yeah. like i think i saw, had so many friends text or call like how are you doing how can i help and they and I was like, I'm I'm fine, thank you. And I don't know how you can help. You know, like there were so many people who wanted to reach out. And I do think that being part of that existential boogeyman or whatever, and like being part of the hospital medicine community gave us agency, gave us power, where so many people felt no like they had no control and listless and restless and maybe we're home maybe we're unemployed and mm -hmm. can't do anything i it's really it is we sh we are grateful that you know to be doctors and yeah. to have a job even in this terrible environment yeah i mean i know i get a little hokey in normal times like about you know what an amazing privilege it is that people let us into their lives they're most vulnerable um you know and and you know talk about all this personal stuff when we've known them for minutes uh and and we have this great opportunity to like help people at the you know the worst day of their life, and like now it's like well, and the world's falling apart, and I get to be part of that. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, you're. It's a weird thing to live through a historical moment. <laughs> it's not always great, but you know you you do mention sort of what people other people have offered to do, and how other people have um, been interested in in lending a hand, and I've definitely seen that as well. And one big thing that they did was just as you mentioned, we never lost our jobs. We never had to go without pay, but a lot of people have when we did the shutdown. And one of the first times I ever saw you, we'd been following each other on Twitter, but I actually didn't know you were like a CNN, MSNBC, like correspondent doc. And I saw you on, on the news one day talking about shutting down the, the economy again or shutting down businesses. That was about a month ago, I think, right? It seems like yeah. Eight years ago, but it was only like a month ago that you had, <laughs> you had signed off um, with a bunch of other doctors, about 150 other doctors, on a letter to the administration saying we need to shut things down or this is going to continue and get worse, and this is the only way to heal the economy in the long run. Do do you still feel that way, or do you feel like we're already past that point? The horse is out of the barn. Yeah, I mean, it's it's. I'll admit that this is, this is one of those things where like I, I saw that letter and, and I talked about it and stuff like that. And I'm not hundred percent sure that that's the right idea. And part of it is, you know, aim high and you'll hit something a little lower. Mm -hmm. um, but I mean, what my fear is, is if we do it like this, like this, like kind of half-assed, like, I don't know, medium effort, we're going to be doing like a 30% cure for years. And I feel like there's got to be a way where, like we dig in and we do a big thing and we take the pain and we work through it. And it's, you know, on the order of weeks or months before yeah. we get, you know, it would, I'm not going to pretend to know that yes, that will hundred percent work and we're back to normal in five weeks or something like that. But like, I think that's how we get it down to the point where it's not, Oh my God, everybody who comes into the ED, whether they have a cough or shortness of breath or belly pain or an ankle fracture ends up having COVID, yeah. but we end up with like major league baseball where it's like, everyone's okay. Wait, five people got sick. Let's close it down. Let's find the cases. Let's test and trace. We'll put that little fire out and then we'll go back to like 80% normal. Yeah. We only do basketball references here. Right. I have no I idea. Say, I have no I idea <laughs> what the MLB reference on that one was. You're going to have to explain that to us. No. Oh, that was like major league baseball played for like three days. And, uh, I think it was the, um, uh, the Marlins, the Florida team shut down. Oh, oh yeah. Uh, yeah okay. And on it was opening like, the, day. it was the yeah. MVP on opening day. It was like, it, it was amazing. 
Yeah. And like it, to me, it was one of those things where it's like, first of all, like they've got like a pretty small controlled population. They've got resources to make it work. They've got like hundreds of millions of dollars on the line to like this huge motive. And not only could they not do it, but like they got positive tests and they're like, but we should still play. Right. And then they did. And they had like three times as many. Yeah. Um, but bringing it back to basketball, Kaveh, uh, the NBA is doing like amazingly well in their bubble in Disney world. Have you read about that? That's insane. Well, They're just in this huge bubble. It's and an every time one guy like is found to order takeout from an unauthorized provider, that guy gets on quarantine for two weeks. Like no, they're, they're strict. There's a, there's a lot of really interesting stories to talk about coming out of the NBA bubble right now. <laughs> not the least of which is the fact that the Milwaukee Bucks decided the other night to just not play uh, in out, protest yeah. uh, of uh, the, the recent Jacob shooting. Blake. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it was amazing how the rest of the NBA responded and how the stars and how everyone is, I'm sure not everyone's on the same page and I'm sure there's some players that aren't, but, and there's some probably issues with management, but man, so impressive to see how they responded. So it made me so cool, happy right? to be an, and to be a basketball fan, not like an NHL fan where like, they're like, <laughs> Hey, we, we, we gave a second before we dropped the puck and we like said, you know, we had a moment of silence. What more do you want from us? You know? I mean, let's not crap on the NHL. Let's celebrate the NBA. Like, you know, the no, NHL, please. Screw the NHL. Yeah. I don't, your wrath towards NHL is embarrassing to our podcast. Just, it's listen, not the brand. I, That's not who we are, Colin. Listen, listen, here's the thing. We're going to go on a rant. Sorry, Seth. Um, but there's very few things that I, as an American, still have intense pride of for being American. One, our music. I still stand by our music being the best music in the world ever. The Brits will kill you. Go the on. Brits got their music from us. Where do you think the Beatles came from? They stole everything from Little Richard. There would be no Beatles if it wasn't for us. Okay, next. One. Two, we do food pretty well. Like, not healthy food, but like, you know, Southern food, comfort food. And three, basketball. NBA, it's an American sport. Wow. We do it better than anyone. I stand by that. So I'm super, when it comes to those three things, I'm super nationalistic. Yeah. The walkout. Yeah. No, the walkout is amazing. I think also the fact that it's playoffs and like they're finally right. getting revenue back. That to me is amazing. But, but again, what they've done with the COVID bubble is also pretty remarkable. Sorry, Seth, you go yeah. ahead. No, it's okay. This is the most I've talked about sports in like 20 years. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> By the way, me too. Me too. It's I was funny, a 1990s Nick fan. Sorry. Go no, on. No, no, it's fine. Uh, the, no, I, was, I remember a friend of mine, uh, first year of med school, making this like really, I don't know, stupid critical comment like, oh, I hate when actors are like, oh, I'm going to like do this thing to help the world because like as an actor, I understand the human condition. Like, yeah, that argument's stupid, but like recognizing you have an amazing privilege and this amazing soapbox, I mean like, hey, I can sell like data eggs or I can like find uh, something to help the world with because I have the time, I have the money. People are going to pay attention to what I say. Like I really respect the hell out of those people. Totally. Same. I totally I think, agree. Yeah. Like the NBA guys, the, uh, I mean, Colin Kaepernick, like he, he was like, I finally made it doing something with it. And, yeah. You know, yeah. Four, and by the way, was, by the way, four years ago, he did that. Yeah, right. Four years ago. And it was like, you know, like, like, giving up like the opportunity to just like he could sit quietly and just like make yeah. his money and play his sports and be totally fine he was like no i'm gonna try to do something good for other people this is insert cave talk about steph curry for another 30 seconds go so any chance i get i'll talk about steph curry and how <laughs> amazing he is and how he's my favorite basketball player of all time 
he could have easily have gone the no offense to your Chicago roots there, Michael Jordan route of saying that, you know, Chicago. I also sell shoes to uh, Republicans. But instead, he decided, uh, and a lot of the Warriors with him decided early on that they wouldn't be shy about voicing their opinions on what they thought mattered. That's something I think is great. I also, I totally agree. Anyways, <laughs> going to a different subject, but maybe similar. How, what are you doing in this time to stay sane? What are you doing that's keeping you grounded? And what do you recommend other doctors do? Um, number one is don't do too much. Like I think like I, I uh, so, so when, when the COVID stuff first started getting bad, my wife and daughter went out of the house. Like they went to, we had my uh, wife's sister has a like place they could stay in daughter, similar age, who knew, knew what I was going to bring home, et cetera. Um, and I, I tried to watch the, his dark materials show on HBO. Mm-hmm. I, I, I first read the books like a year ago. I really liked it. I liked the movie and I tried watching it. I was like, I do not have brain power for this. Like I, I, <laughs> I basically, I rewatched 30 rock. And now I'm rewatching The Office and it's like- <laughs> I'm doing I, Parks and Rec, Parks yeah. and Rec. And it's just like, I've seen it before, but I, I can't use my brain. Like I, uh-huh. I, when I come home from work, when I'm, even on a day when I'm not working, like I can't like commit that brain power to do something. When um, you say don't too much, you mean like when we first started quarantining, I was like, I can learn an instrument. I can learn a language. I'm just going to get like all the household stuff done in the entire world. You're saying like, just simmer down. Exactly. And I mean, I think, um, you know, this is fun. We can see each other and it helps with the conversation and stuff. But like in general, when people are on Zoom, I think it's like, you know, you're in a Zoom class or a Zoom meeting, like turn your camera off. Like there's the level of attention you have to pay to that. And it takes a lot of energy to like, remember what's going on with the pandemic and what I'm allowed to do outside and remember to wear a mask. And like all that stuff is bearing on us all the time and grinding us down. And I feel like we don't realize how much extra, uh, extra effort we're doing. Like I, and I, I, tweeted yesterday that my dentist was like hey are you grinding your teeth there's a thing and i was like and and like the tech was like of course he's grinding we're like we're all grinding he's an er doctor in a major metropolitan city during a pandemic yeah he's grinding his teeth um i mean and it's like and like you know i've been playing more guitar i started learning guitar a couple years ago and and this has been great and i found this great community of, of of mostly physicians and we do docs who rocks videos and it's like amazing and that turned into like oh my god there's this pressure people are doing better than me and should i do more and if i don't do one every week are they going to be disappointed in me and i was like screw it like if i don't do it because i haven't had time to practice and like i don't have a new song to play like, i'm not doing it and i i post like once a month now I don't understand. Why am I not a part of Docs Who Rock? I am a doctor who was in a band for most of his life, who I've had radio. How am I not a part of this? I've been on the radio playing music. Why am I not on Twitter doing Docs Who Rock? What, what, what do I have to do? So the answer to that is a question, which is why are you not on Docs Who Rock? This is not like a club where you need to be invited. All you need to do like is post a video. Really? Is, Wait, I don't play an instrument, but you I don't am get a doctor. to join. Like there's I, a couple singers. Okay. Um, there's a couple people who just sing. Uh, I don't sing, so you can I, you can sing to my music if you really like to. Uh, oh, I think that's a great idea. Anyways, uh, Seth, tell our listeners if they don't already know where they can find you. Uh, so the easiest place to find me is on Twitter. I'm MD Aware. Um, which is always funny to me because there are some people who don't work in hospitals who don't realize the medical joke. And they're like, oh, you're like aware. Like, no, no, no. It's just a stupid nursing joke. Yeah. It's not like MD woke. It's like, it has a different vibe to it, but it's a great handle. I love it. And uh, I highly recommend you guys follow Seth. He's both fun and 
in an original way, very funny, and uh, also offers great medical advice. He's going to show you clips of his appearances on on shows, and I always love seeing you on those shows. So keep up the great work, man. Um, thanks for coming on. Come back again sometime, okay? Thank you. Really appreciate it. It's a lot of fun. Would you be interested in playing us out with a little music on your your guitar? Yeah. All right, so this song uh, goes out to Chad because uh, he's basically the one who got me to play this, and this is the, the best real song I can actually play. It's that long. great man thank you so much i was air drumming i don't know if you saw did you see um, that video of that british girl playing the other day that was ridiculous the little kid oh. and like some of the bands will like invite people to come up and play and like i play in harmonica with like this legit blues band on stage and like at kingston mines wow yeah. that's dope yeah, it was awesome. And like, it was really fun. You know, there's only like 12 people in the room, whatever. It's a Sunday night. Um, it was really cool. And then awesome. the last song, the drummer, who was also the bouncer, he's like, uh, hey, uh, can you get funky? We're doing funk in D. And I was like, uh, yeah. And like, first of all, harmonicas are weird. And like D is actually really hard to play and doesn't sound good. And second, like I did not get funky. <laughs> That's hysterical. A, I'm not sure how to hit D and it's hard and difficult. And, but B, I cannot get funky. That's like a great, I want a t-shirt. That's like, I just can't get funky. That's, that's the t-shirt for the show. This podcast is not a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Please consult a physician or other qualified healthcare provider for your specific healthcare needs or concerns. The opinions expressed on this podcast do not represent the opinions of our employees. Details in the podcast have been changed so that patient identification is not possible. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. 
Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.